Welcome to the Empowerment Radio Show, the show that empowers, inspires, and motivates. Hear from experts in all areas of business as they share proven techniques that have helped them earn millions and have more free time. Learn the tricks of the trade, including how to market your business and develop the million-dollar mindset needed to succeed. Be sure to register for more information at torontowomensexpo.com. Use hashtag EWTS, which is short for Empowering women to succeed. Now, let's welcome the host of the Empowerment Radio Show, Randy Goodman. Hello, everyone. This is Randy here with the Empowerment Radio Show and my very special guest, Claudia Harvey, an international keynote speaker and strategy consultant. I am thrilled to have Claudia on. Please give a warm welcome to my podcast guest, Claudia Harvey. Yay! Hi, Randy. (laughs) How are you, Claudia? I'm great. Thank you very much, and thank you for the offer of being here today. I really, really appreciate it. I'm, I'm thrilled to have you, so thank you so much. So, Claudia, I know you have a really interesting history. Can you tell us a little bit about your upbringing? We can get sure. to know you a little. Sure, sure. Um, I was born in a small city outside of Toronto, and I was born to German immigrant parents that came over after World War II. And they were, quite, they were a little older when they had my brother and I. Um, they were very entrepreneurial themselves, and I learned basically entrepreneurship probably at the dinner table just by osmosis and hearing about the trials and tribulations of having two small businesses. Uh, when we got to university stage, my brother took off in one direction and went into investment banking, and I went into child studies because my parents thought that it was um, the best type of career for uh, a woman to be in because you'd have your summers off and March break and be able to raise a family, etc. So I did a co-op experience where my very first co-op was in the nursery school, and I realized that that is the last place <laughs> that I wanted to be. Uh, I, kudos to the teachers out there because it's something I could never do. So um, I switched my major to business and psychology, and as soon as I graduated, I went as fast as I could to Bay Street and, and took any job I could find being on Bay Street, which is the, the hub of the financial sector in Toronto and Canada, and learned from the ground up, surrounding myself with people that were the movers and shakers of Toronto, and uh, worked myself up to be junior sales and then senior sales, and eventually made my career in sales um, and was in a, a multinational bank. Uh, probably 14 years or yeah, 14 years or so after I had graduated University of Guelph, and I had a team under me and um, traveled internationally. Uh, it was great. It was wonderful. So that's uh, sort of the how I sort of progressed to the sales aspect of my life. Awesome, awesome. That's uh, quite a turn of events to go from child studies. <laughs> <laughs> To Bay Street. <laughs> yes, it was. It was. Well, my, <laughs> yeah, not no, too many people on Bay Street doing that. No, no. And you know, it's funny. My parents had, you know, encouraged me to go into child studies. But my father, when I was ten years old, he brought me to Toronto from our small city, and he was walking me up up 
Bloor Street and Bay Street, and Bloor Street is where all the fancy shops are, and Bay Street is where people made the money. And he said, Claudia, this is where you make the money, and this is where you spend it. So he imprinted on me early age that money is a wonderful tool to have. So when they suggested that I go into child studies, it really didn't make a heck of a lot of sense <laughs> because I had grown up with the concept of making wealth and building wealth. So, uh, so anyway, I forged my own path as soon as I hit university and could make my own choices. So just a question, why do you think they were pushing you towards child studies? What was it in there that even made them think that you would be interested in that, or why would they want you to be into that? Well, I think they were very traditional people. Um, they grew up in the era that if a woman was going to have a career or a job, she takes a supportive type of job, a caregiving type role, because that's, that's the era that they grew up in. They, they were born in the 20s, grew up in the 30s in the Depression, survived the war in Germany, so the other side, mm -hmm. and struggled to make ends meet when they came to Canada and immigrated. So I think that it was the easiest way possible for their daughter to, A, have a career, but B, also be stable because you'd get into a union and you'd have your summers off and you then could have a family and have a, a quote-unquote balanced lifestyle. Right. So I think it was more of a what's the easiest path for my daughter to be happy, healthy mm -hmm. and happy. Um, and, you know, times had changed. By the time I was at university, times had changed for women where we could forge our own path and our own direction should we choose to. So it would have been, it would have been really easy to stay in that path because, again, you know, you're, you're in um, a very supportive employer if you get employed as a teacher, but it really wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to, be, I wanted to have the expense accounts and the fancy cars and the nice clothes and <laughs> all the trappings of what I considered success and wealth. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, well I have to yeah. admit I did. <laughs> Well, you have to go with what your heart's telling you, right, and what you're passionate about. That's true. It's true, and I think I knew that way back when I was young that that's where I wanted to be. And, uh, again, 30 little kids in one classroom, four-year-olds saying, help me, help me, is not what I wanted to do. It's just, it, it, it zaps my energy. So, and making money doesn't. <laughs> and as you say that with the little kids around you, help me, help me, I'm picturing you on stage doing that. <laughs> That's right. Well, at least, at least I can make fun of myself because I know that I'm not that great at that. So. Okay, that's too funny. So before we continue talking about the business end of it, um, I want to get a little bit into the personal end of it. Uh, and I know you have a wonderful, gorgeous family. You have some beautiful children and a very supportive husband. Can you tell us a little bit about your family? Sure. I'd love to. I always love talking about my family. I think this is where my child studies has actually kicked in because I have three kids mm -hmm. and they, they are uh, they're now like late teens, mid-teens, and just pre-teen. And they are wonderful, diverse individuals. You know, every aspect of the spectrum they're on. You know, my, my oldest son is extremely driven and goal-directed, uh, most likely heading into the financial industry himself at university. And um, my daughter is a social butterfly and uh, smart as a whip. And my younger son is very relaxed and goes to flow and also smart as a whip. So they're awesome. Wonderful, wonderful kids. And uh, I've been married almost 22 years at this point oh, to, nice. yeah, yeah, so I'm proud yes. to say in, in today's era, that's, I think that's a bit of a feat. 
Yep. Uh, yep. <laughs> so my, my husband is he's wonderfully supportive and very, very opposite to me. He comes from the academic world. He's a professor at the University of Toronto, and um, he comes from the academic environment where uh, journey is his middle name. So he kind of moves from one thing to another and enjoys the journey, where as I'm very, very goal-directed and always have been. But we complement each other, and uh, so so far it's worked. <laughs> Not good; it continues to. <laughs> I think it, I think if we can, yeah, I think if we can survive three kids, it's working. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, yes, <laughs> quite a job in and of itself. That's for sure. <laughs> okay, that's awesome. Um, so, going back to business, and thank you for sharing that about your family. I love to hear that there's a strong foundation there to support you in whatever you're doing. So you have quite an interesting work path, and I know you've touched on some of it vaguely, but can you tell us um, a little bit more detail about that journey and where, where it brought you to today? Sure, yeah. I touched on the sales aspect of my life. So I had been on the Bay Street path, uh, learned junior sales to senior sales, went into international sales. and But that's not where I am today. I left the corporate world behind. Actually, when my second child was born, I decided that I was going to leave the sales uh, environment behind because sales requires a lot of energy. If you need to be out there in front of clients all the time and be on and travel, and I was traveling internationally, it, it really was taxing on my whole family situation as well as uh, myself. Like I was really quite tired. And I always felt like I was being torn between my family and my work environment because the clients were demanding, the, my staff was demanding, the quotas were high, the, the kids needed me, my husband needed me, and I felt like I wasn't doing anything very well. So I left the sales career behind, which was really hard to do because at that point in my life I had strived and desired exactly that. Like I was living what I wanted to be. So mm-hmm. to realize that I didn't want to be there anymore was a lightning bolt to the forehead and like I really had to understand this is really not making me happy anymore. It took a while to really come to grips with that. And then when I came to grips with that, I'm a kind of person that says, okay, let's deal with this and let's figure out a solution that, that actually works for everybody. Mm-hmm. So I took an internal job with a company that was a privately held company and I learned on the operations side. So I still had a client focus, but I was helping the clients from the operational end, which was wonderful because then I didn't have to travel. It was more nine to five. And I was able to learn the operations side of a business without really realizing that I was absorbing that information. Um, So I worked there for about four years and had another child. And then I realized I kind of did it again, (laughs) that I was working really, really, really hard for a company that wasn't my own. Even though I wasn't traveling, I was on the computer at 5.30 in the morning and on the computer at 10 o'clock at night and stressed to the max and, you know, trying to balance the whole lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And I realized, no, I didn't want to do this again. So again, lightning bolts before to say, no, you got to stop, you got to change. And I went home on Friday afternoon and talked to my husband and he, I said, I'm, you know, I need to stop. I need to do this. I need to get off this treadmill that we're on. And he's very supportive. And I have to give him credit because not, not a lot of husbands, I think, would probably say just 
quit high and dry, but he did. So mm-hmm. quit high and dry, Monday morning, go and make yourself happy, quit, and we'll figure it out. And I knew, though, that because I had changed at least three times my career path and who I wanted to be, I knew that I would land on my feet, whichever the next venture would be. Mm-hmm. didn't quite know what that was going to be. assumed I was going into another corporate job that was a better fit. But I thought, I'll just take the summer off. It was May, so I thought, I'll take the summer off and just regroup and kind of figure it out. Uh, and, and he knew that I would be the type of person that I would be chomping at the bit in a couple months to do something else. Mm-hmm. So I then, just by chance, my good friend uh, Wendy had come over for a barbecue on Labor Day weekend, and she was lamenting that she'd destroyed her manicure in the garden the day before, and they should create manicure protective gardening gloves. Mm-hmm. And four months later, they became us. So we created a company called Dig It Apparel, and Dig It is our flagship product is a manicure protective gardening glove with a patented pillow top protector inside each fingertip that uh, protects a woman's nails in the garden. And it's a niche product in a niche uh, market, and we now market it across Canada and heading into the United States and to the Home Depots in the United States. So that was back in 2008, and we have now gone international with the company. So I became an entrepreneur. I left the corporate arena completely behind, and I became an entrepreneur and a business owner. From then, I also catapulted to be on stage and be a motivational speaker to other entrepreneurs and to women and to business owners and to corporations that want to learn about the success stories behind how you grow your own business. So I'm now a motivational speaker. I'm a keynote speaker. Um, I have my own programs to help entrepreneurs. And uh, that's the direction that I'm, I'm moving into as well as managing and running Dig It. So I've got a couple of different hats, and I've now found my true passion. Like 22 years after graduating university, now I can say this is actually who I am and where I am and who I've become is what I've sort of set out to do right at the very beginning when I started into university. That's fantastic. And it's funny, sometimes it takes us a lifetime to figure it out. Hey. <laughs> well, I hope it's not going to be a lifetime. <laughs> I hope I hope I have a lot more life ahead of me. <laughs> and who knows in another? <laughs> yeah, I know what you meant. <laughs> I didn't mean your whole life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hopefully now I can springboard and build that wealth that my dad told me about. <laughs> there you go. Well, that's quite an accomplishment. That's unbelievable that uh, you guys you know, just from a silly conversation, became yeah. a real business, you know. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. In hindsight, it, it really is. It's uh, how many people are out there that have conversations over beers and say, you know, we should do this, we should do that. Mm-hmm. But to actually then create a company and bring that to fruition and then be successful on top of it mm-hmm. is, in hindsight, it's, it is a pretty amazing feat, I think. Yes, so. it definitely is. Congratulations to both of you because you. that that is pretty incredible. And you're building from the ground up, yeah. so it's a whole learning curve as you go. And, yeah. uh, you know, that's awesome. You weren't in the manufacturing business before. No, no <laughs> not at all, no. I came from the financial and insurance sectors, and uh, my business partner had retail experience. So we basically married our two 
backgrounds. She's in sales marketing. I knew sales marketing and operations. So it was a really good fit, hand in glove. Ha ha. Excuse the pun. Yeah, excuse the pun. It was a really good fit for us, and we sort of, yeah, you know, built on each other's strengths to to build the business. Okay, fantastic. I love that. So now you're helping. Uh, the corporate world, the entrepreneurial world, you're helping all sorts of people in business today. So what would you say the most challenging issues are that people have when it comes to business? For starting your own business, there are a number of factors, I think, again, in hindsight, that I can really identify as key strategies for success. Uh, Number one is focus, drive, determination and mindset that you can actually have a business that is successful. When we started out with Digit, it did not even occur to me that we would not be successful. What the concept of success is completely individual, however. Some people are very happy making $60,000 a year, $100,000 a year, even pin money, right? Whatever the case may be. Um, So your definition of success is very individual, to yourself. When I was starting Dig It with my business partner, I knew we would be successful. I assumed <laughs> we would have 4,000 gloves made and that would be success. Mm-hmm. We are now into the thousands and thousands and thousands of gloves. Mm-hmm. So, and we're growing every year and we're getting bigger and bigger. So again, my, my definition of what success is has changed. But I knew that in my mindset that we would do well. We had researched the marketplace. We knew that there was a, a a need for the product that we were creating. So before jumping into business, we actually determined that there was a need for this niche product. And then we were very strategic in our business planning on how we wanted to grow the business. We wanted to tackle Canada first, make our mistakes, before we entered a huge market like the United States, which could gobble you up and spit you out. <laughs> so you know, we, made, we made those mistakes, and those mistakes only cost us you know, five to $10,000 in, in money versus $100,000 because the 10 times factor of going into the States, you can make gargantuan mistakes that could kill you. Mm-hmm. So, so that's, that's number one. So kind of the drive, determined, focused, that you have what it takes, you have a business that could be viable with the, with the research that you can do in the marketplace to determine that you have a product or a service that somebody needs, and the business planning behind it. So we created a business plan, a marketing plan, a financial plan, and married the three of them together in the very first year of our business to guide us to where we wanted to be with our benefits and our values, and we sort of tied all that together. And that's what I help entrepreneurs and businesses with, to uh, really focus and hone their strengths, understand their weaknesses, overcome their weaknesses, and move into the marketplace with a very positive attitude and um, best foot forward. Uh, the other thing is huge for entrepreneurs and business owners is cash flow. Now, cash flow is completely different than having enough money to buy equipment or buying inventory or et cetera. It's actually the money needed to run the day-to-day business to pay your bills. And it can come out of the blue sometimes where you you have an expense that's not really planned for. So you have to have enough cash flow to make sure that you survive those um, things that come out of the blue. And I always have like a 5 to 10% factor that if you think that you need, I'm just going to throw out a random number, $100,000, you're going to need $120,000. So just always go think the worst case scenario in terms of money and be happy when you don't have that 
occurrence come up. They always have that little nest egg behind you to make sure that, uh, that make sure you have a cushion. Because I think surviving the first two years of business is really hard in terms of cash flow, and again, depending on your business, but it's hard in terms of cash flow at times. Um, and then I think the third one is like are, you have to sort of determine if you really are a business owner or an entrepreneur because some people – being a business owner and entrepreneur, you're, you can be very isolated. Most people start being a business owner most likely running out of the house or in a very, very small office, but for overhead purposes, you don't want to spend money at an office. So most people are at their house. And, you know, you're sitting in your kitchen or your little office that's a converted bedroom, and you're by yourself. And it can be very lonely. And then, you know, if you have a June day and it's beautiful and sunshiny outside, and you think, oh, I don't actually have to make those phone calls. You know, yeah, I'll have to push that off to, to a rainy day tomorrow. But then tomorrow comes and it's another beautiful day. And then the day after comes and it's a beautiful day. So you really have to have focus and drive to know that you are going to be at your desk and do those phone calls and do the computer invoicing and do those things that you have to do to be a business owner because you, you're it. You're jack of all trades when you're starting off at a business. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really easy to get you know, the shiny spoon syndrome that, oh, I'm just going to go off for a couple hours and ride my bike or you know, kick the ball with my, my son, whatever the case might be, right? Because you want to do those things, absolutely, but you also have to make sure that you, that you are concentrated, that this is your business, this is, your, this is going to be your bread and butter. Uh, and you have to keep, sort of keep that in mind. So some people actually don't like that. They try it, and they go, you know what, I really don't want to do this. I want to be around uh, an office environment. I want to be in a team. I don't want to have to rely on um, myself for my own paycheck, but I like having a paycheck every two weeks. I like having uh, vacation pay. Um, I like having sick days if I need to. So being an entrepreneur, you generally don't have that. Uh, and it's a whole different kind of mindset. And, and I tell people that if they really don't like being an entrepreneur because of those reasons, then that's completely, utterly okay. And you can go back into a corporate job, a corporate career, and be happy. But at least you've tried it, and it's great. And if you can't do it, then that's okay too. You know, it's all, it's all a journey. It's all figuring out what's your passion and what you like in life and if it really matches what your personality says it should. So that's, that's okay to do whatever you want. And if you are an entrepreneur and you really get jazzed by uh, building your own wealth, building your product, building your service, building your client base, and you know that it's yours and you're the responsible person that's built it, then that's great too. Then you just keep building it and it's, uh, it's an upward spiral to motivation and being happy. Because I think in general, it, in life, you just need to be happy. Because if you don't find your happiness, you're going to be walking through water every day and pushing yourself to do stuff you don't want to do. And, and that can be really wearing and taxing, as I'm sure a lot of the listeners can really um, relate to, that if they don't like doing something, it's so exhausting doing that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <Definitely. Yes. laughs> Listen, when you get up every day and you do something that you're passionate about, it's not work. No. No, it's not. I can get up at 3.30 in the morning, 4.30 in the morning, and work all day, but I don't call it work. You know, I, I'm sure so many people who, are, who have found their calling can get up because there's something going on in their, in their brain. Their brain kind of never sleeps. And they're like, oh, yeah, what about this? And they go to your computer and you just start working. But it's not exhausting. It's just it, it's, it's rewarding. Exactly. It, and, that's, and that's if you find your passion doing something that you like doing. 
Now, being on, being on stage in front of people, I only came to that later in my career. It's only about two years ago, two or three years ago, that I was asked to speak to corporations on success, the concept of success and building a business and the strategies of success. And the first time I went on stage, I was really nervous because I had been on stage with, with in front of people since my sales career, which was you know, about 10 years ago. And I thought, oh my gosh, what if they don't like me? How do you all limiting beliefs, yeah. right? All these little yeah. things niggling at you. Mm-hmm. So I prepared and I prepared and I went on stage and um, oh my goodness, I was so jazzed. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I was, I was just, I was having a high time up there. And I came off stage realizing, oh my goodness, I really enjoy this. And this definitely has to be an aspect of what I do in life. Because it was um, something I had completely forgotten how much I enjoyed being in front of people. Mm-hmm. Yes, and you're wonderful at it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I've watched you a bunch of times. <laughs> thank you. You're wonderful. So when people have uh, different types of issues with their businesses, uh, what kind of help do you suggest they take? Well, it completely depends on the issues that they have. Uh, because it can run from anything from I don't have enough cash flow, I don't know where I'm going, I don't have enough receivables, I don't have enough sales, to I don't want to go to that networking function. It, it, you know, it, it, when, I, when people are talking to me about that they need to grow their business or they need to increase their sales, generally that's how they come to me. They say, we need to increase our revenue. Well, that is such a broad statement that it has to be drilled down significantly to understand exactly where your features and benefits lie, where your value lies in the marketplace, um, if you have a vision and a mission of where you want to be with the company in a six months, one year, 18 months plan, or even further. So I really hone in with companies and people to understand where their uh, strengths lie. We identify the weaknesses, and then we have to shore up those weaknesses and really target them in understanding where their strengths are to move them forward and find find more success in relatively quick, short amount of time. Because there's, there's many opportunities out there that the person, when they're often in the thick of it, and they're in the weeds, can't see it. They can't rise above it because they're working on the business. Or they're, sorry, they're working in the business and not on the business. Right? Mm-hmm. They're caught up in the day-to-day cycle and the, the frustrations of it, and they can't rise above it. And I help to rise above it and work on the business and, and look at it from a strategic sense on how they can move their business forward and develop their business in ways that they probably haven't looked at. That's fantastic. So that leads us right into uh, what kind of results people can expect when they go through the coaching process with you or take one of your programs. One of the programs that I've created is called the Master of Influence Program, and it was developed because many p- people, entrepreneurs, business owners, came to me saying that they need to increase their sales. And the same questions would be coming to me again and again, and I was helping individuals independently, and I realized the same questions were coming. So I created a Master of Influence Program, which basically marries the concept of communication and building wealth and how you become a master of influence can increase your revenue, increase your sales on a B2B basis, but also give you the mindset that you have what somebody out there in the world wants. 
that you are a unique individual and you can project and present yourself in the best light forward. And how do you do that? You become a master of influence. So I created this program to help entrepreneurs and business owners in that stage, in that area of life to A, increase the revenue almost immediately and put money back in their pocket. And that increases their confidence. That in turn increases their motivation. That in turn increases their capability. And it becomes this huge upward spiral of success that within six, to, six, six months to a year, you can't even believe that you had issues before with uh, moving into a sales environment or closing business or following up because I give, the, I give a strategy on exactly how to do the pre-plan, how, how to do the planning, how to do the follow-up, and the, what I call the four pillars of the perfect pitch, which is presenting in such a way that you can basically walk into any room and own it. And that's in business what you need to do. You need to, you need to own the room when you walk into it. So you walk into any room, you own it, and you know that you have what it takes to convince others that you are the best thing since sliced bread. Um, and then you can do that for your business, but you can do that for your personal life too. So that's the kind of program that I offered with the, uh, with the Master of Influence program. And that's a program that I offer off my website, and I offer when I'm speaking to individuals and from the stage. In addition to I do strategic consulting on a one-on-one -on -one basis with companies that we target more specifically if it's not specifically sales advice that they need, but they need more business strategic advice from an operational to a sales approach, I can help them with that too. So it's that type of, of planning and business over, overhaul that I can help them with. You love the planning stuff. It is. It's really important. Because it, planning is absolutely crucial. Because it's, it's like if you're on a, I equate it to if you're on a basketball court and you don't know where the hoops are, so you don't know where your goal is to sink that ball, then how do you know where to aim? How do you know that you're going to sink that ball? It's going to exhaust you to try and figure out how to actually score versus if you actually know where the hoop is, you know how long it's going to take you, you know how high you have to jump, you know the opponents out there which are your competition, and you can deke around them and you know what you have. So again, it's like uh, yeah, planning and, and the pre-approach are absolutely crucial to increasing your confidence moving into any environment in sales or in business in general. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, well, of course you're right. <laughs> you're the master of influence. <laughs> but you definitely have to have a plan and a goal in mind, and having that right plan in place will definitely ensure that you have the best possible success that you can have with your business. Yes. So for sure, yes. thank you. And, and I think it's also once you are finding success and you've increased your success, the opportunities that come that you had no idea were actually going to be there start coming to fruition. And you look at opportunities in a different way once you find some, some success because you look at opportunities as just that, as opportunities, as not something to fear. I think a lot of us, when we are trepidatious and we don't know what an outcome is going to be, we run away from an opportunity instead mm -hmm. of looking at it as something that we could tackle, that we have what it takes, that, okay, what's the worst that could happen if I actually took this opportunity and failed at it, but I've learned from it, and I've, uh, I have other opportunities now that have sprung board off of it. So that's a whole mindset. It's 
And that's when I started the company with my business partner. It's, you know, sure, we could possibly fall flat on our face and you know, spend a few thousand dollars, but at the same time, the things that we would learn coming out of this would be astronomical and fantastic. So it's really looking at an opportunity and, and looking at the big picture and thinking how that opportunity could change your life in general. And from that opportunity, other huge opportunities happen. So I would never in a million years, 10 years ago, thought I'd be on the motivational stage and helping companies in, as a strategic consultant. I, w- I literally thought I was going to be in, in my corporate environment for you know, the rest of my life, mm-hmm. which sounds awfully dire <laughs> now. <laughs> wow, yuck. So, um, so one thing leads to another, it leads to another, and there's stepping stones to finding success and happiness. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's fantastic. Now, I know you also have a book in the mix. You probably have a few books in the mix. Can you tell us a little bit about them? Sure. Uh, I'm in a book called Empowering Women to Succeed, and I've written a chapter, and um, I think, Randy, you're part of this wonderful book, of course. And the chapter, chapter talks about empowering yourself and ta- empowering others and overcoming challenges. And I, I talk about some of the things I've talked about here in the podcast of how one change in life leads to another and um, moving to new opportunities leads to further opportunities. So I'm absolutely thrilled to be in this book, and, and thank you again for the opportunity, Randy, for being on the podcast and being on the book. Well, we're thrilled to have you. So Thank, thank you. you. <laughs> um, so in addition to that, I, I am creating a book that's going to be called Master of Influence, and it's, it's about how to increase your sales in a business-to-business environment, so a B2B environment, but it also, again, talks about increasing your motivational mindset and making sure that you um, – walk into any situation and with the best foot forward and how to do that and um, how you can and have what it takes for the world to hear. So that book is probably about 80% written at the moment and hopefully coming out in late 2016, um, if not earlier, depending on how quickly I can actually sit down and do it. I look forward to that one. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, congratulations on both of them. Thank you. I know you probably have a host of uh, electronic ones and whatnot as well, but we'll get to that in a bit. (laughs) So what makes you so passionate about sharing this information? Because clearly you're passionate about it. (laughs) Well, I like to to think I am. And I'm glad it comes across because I am passionate about it. When I think my passions first started when I, again, in hindsight and looking back, when I started my business with my business partner, it was an opportunity of finding balance in my family life. That was number one, mm-hmm. that I didn't have to leave the house at 8 o'clock in the morning, be on the computer for someone else's company, and be stressed to the max. So my business allowed me the opportunity of finding balance and being present in my children's lives and my husband's life without having to be taken away all the time. I gave up the nanny. We gave up the daycare. We just decided... Um, that it, we would slow down. It also meant that we didn't have the, you know, the fancy new cars, et cetera, et cetera, but that was a small price to pay for being more stable and calmer in life, which is what I needed. That then, I think, led to the funding success in the business aspect provided me this whole new found independence and 
confidence in my abilities and myself. Because I had had confidence in my sales environment before, working for corporations and multinationals. I was selling their products and their services and finding success doing that, but I didn't internalize it. We had a paycheck. It was a great thing. You know, the more sales you made, the more money you made, and it was an external gratification versus an intrinsic gratification. Having my own company gave me intrinsic gratification that I could actually do something and find success at it. And then when I went on to the stage about two or three years ago, and I saw how it was impacting others' lives, it was a whole different level of passion. Because I was looking out into the audience and watching people nod their head at what I was saying and knowing that I was actually resonating with them and changing their lives for the better, I'm hoping for the better. Uh, they were laughing when I was giving my silly stories about my kids. and um, it, So I touched their lives. And then the women afterwards especially came to me. And often the women had strong corporate careers, but they came to me and said, oh, you're so inspirational because you actually gave up the golden handcuffs and your six-figure salary to actually start your own business. And, boy, I'd love to do that. don't know how to do that, and I think that's really great. So I know I was touching their life. And these are women that I would, I would personally look up to because they have much higher education than me and they're driven type A personalities. So that's where I think the, the metamorphosis of my passion has changed and developed and my definition of success has changed and developed over time. That's phenomenal. That's phenomenal. Yeah, the, you know, to do what you're passionate about and you can hear it in your voice, how much you love it, and, you know, the excitement that you got when you were on stage for the first time and being able to share with people and find that it resonated with people, yeah. right, because we don't always resonate. And to get that kind of feedback, I think, just adds to the passion of knowing that you're on the right path, knowing that you're... You're helping people the way they want to be helped, right? Yes. And, yes. and that it's of value to them. So that's, yes. you know, that definitely helps with your confidence. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and getting up there again and again and again. That's phenomenal. I love that. I love hearing that. Well, and I think the whole the whole change and the whole sort of, you know, eight years, seven years that I've been doing Dig It and let, leaving the corporate career behind has for me been personally rewarding because I have been present in my kids' lives and my family's mm-hmm. life. And those, the kids, knock wood, right now are on a great track. You know, I can sometimes change on a dime, and I don't say that just being present will make successful family and children because I know there's other factors in life that can change that. But, but at least you're present and you can hear it. So, you know, when my kids were little, you had to be up at 5.30 in the morning, and it was a very physical day and very exhausting. So over time, having being able to have my own business and being in their lives, they don't get up at 5.30 in the morning anymore. You know? right. But they're up at 9.30, 10 o'clock at night, and that's when they drop the tidbits of the, the golden nuggets that you need to hear and listen to. And they do it over in, passing over their shoulder like, this is something I'm saying, you better hear it, Mom. And, <laughs> and, uh, and you sort of have to be awake to do that. So. <laughs> and around. <laughs> and around, that's right. That's right. So. Okay, that's hilarious. <laughs> so what would you tell people about, um, well, you can talk about two industries if you want. What would you tell people about trying to get into uh, the sales and marketing industry or into the industry of being an entrepreneur? Are there any tricks to either one? 
Well, both, both really boil down to communication and sales and understanding your market. So three things, three or four things. So sales, um, communication, understanding your market, understanding if you have a product or service that meets your market needs, can't, then you can um, find success in that gap that's in the market. So sales and marketing, you, it's, a, it's an energy out there. You have to put your best foot forward and be, and be energetic and, and be attracted to that type of energy because if you have that energy, people are attracted to that themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people don't like that or it doesn't come naturally to them and then there's ways around that. There's, there's ways that you can approach that whole sales aspect because that's a huge part of business that you actually have to make sales in order to make revenue and to increase your, sell, and increase your sales and business. So if you're not naturally inclined to sales, there are strategies and ways that you can get around that. And that's what I teach with the Master of Influence program because not everybody is out there in terms of their personality. And I totally realize that. But there's things like the proper follow-up techniques. So it's a blueprint for follow-up, exactly when to email, exactly when to pick up the phone, uh, how many days in between, what happens if you're down the, down the path and they're still not saying yes, and when do you drop them as a prospect, if you ever drop them, et cetera, et cetera. Like there's a whole blueprint on how to do that that I help people with. So, and then if you're, in your, if you're in a business that you think is viable, that you have a product or service that you want to launch, that you really want to become an entrepreneur and a business person, I highly suggest before you jump both feet into being a business person or at your own business and you leave your corporate world behind uh, or your job behind, that you do research the market really well to determine if that product or service has legs and you can make money. And that has to do with understanding your values in the business, where you want to be in you know, six months, one year, 18 months, two years, three years. So planning for it. Again, planning is really, really important. And honing that product and features and benefits and what the marketplace can expect from you. Um, and you know, if the product isn't great, no problem. Like, that's okay. There's still something in you that tells you that you want to be an entrepreneur and a business owner, so maybe the next idea is the best one for it. But there's a strategy on how to launch a business that you won't then fail. Uh, and you just have to be very open on, open-minded and not personalize what people think are failures because I don't look at failures as failures. I look at failures as just a new opportunity to work around it and figure something else out and find a different path to where I want to be. So it's, it's not a failure. Exactly. And, yeah, and I think that's a really hard thing for most people to get across because a lot of people tie success to money. And, and I get it. Like if you're a business owner, you have to make money because you are the bread and butter coming in. Mm-hmm. So it's, for, like I bring back to our original conversation about cash flow, it's really important to understand that the first couple of years of business could be really, really lean. And don't expect to have the salary that you had in the corporate job because often that's not the case. So people go in with building a business thinking you know, that they're going to have the same perks and benefits in the first couple of years, and I would say 90% of the time that's not the case. Don't mean to be a naysayer, but just go into that with realistic expectations that it takes a while to build a business responsibly. And I think you're making an excellent point there. Um, you know, it's worth repeating 
because people, you know, whether they leave the corporate world or whether they're not in the corporate world at all and they're just starting a business, you need to realize that you can't match your success to money in the first couple of years anyway because you're building and everything has to go back into the business and you are going to have overhead expenses or other expenses that you, you may not have foreseen. And, uh, you know, you can have an extremely successful business and, like you said, has to be very lean in the first couple of years because you're growing, because you're building. So making sure that you're, one, you're financially able to get through that time period with other means um, right. and, and also not to expect that if you do leave a corporate job where you're getting paid the big bucks, that you have enough of a foundation, a foundation. right? Yeah. to yeah. support you and your family through mm-hmm. those initial years where, mm-hmm. where you, so you do start to continue earning money and that you can allow your business to grow because sometimes people don't plan properly mm-hmm. and they run out of money and all of a sudden they have to sell their house and they have to sell oh, this and that and, and they're right. in trouble and they can't get right. the loans or they can't get the investors that they need and the business goes belly up. So it is so important to have somebody that can support you in the right direction and give you that blueprint. So I love that that's how you support businesses, Claudia, and helping them make sure that their business is going to be successful. Right. And a lot of that has to do with the financial planning, but that ties into the business planning. So it all ties together on the whole marketing, business, and financial plan. It all, it's all um, a three-legged stool to support how you're going to grow the business. Absolutely. Well, that was an absolutely incredible journey, Claudia. It was an honor to speak with you today. <laughs> Thanks, Randy. It's I appreciate an honor. that. <laughs> and if people want to get in touch with you, how would they reach out to you? It's really easy. It's my name. It's, it's ClaudiaHarvey.com. So you really it, you can't you can't miss it. That's <laughs> ClaudiaHarvey.com. So there's a contact page off my website, and I'd be more than happy to have anybody reach out to me. Awesome. And uh, I understand that you occasionally give away some freebies. I do. Oh, I've heard. <laughs> yes. I, again, I'd be more than happy to, to, to provide anybody that's interested. Off the very first page of my website, my homepage, is a free audio book on five successful startup strategies. And this is um, just a little snippet of some successful ideas to keep in mind when you're starting a business. Uh, and then from that, if you're interested in the Master of Influence series as well, it's off my website. Um, so again, the audiobook is free. Download it. It's all yours. And f- please feel free to contact me at any time. It's awesome. And they can opt into your list right from your website, correct? That's right. That's right. You get into the, download the audiobook and you're on my list. That's right. There you go. There you go. And now you can get regular information from Claudia. That's right. <laughs> and hopefully I can see the listeners when they come to some session or some uh, speaking engagements that I'm out there. Yes, because you are all over the world. <laughs> I am and enjoying it. Now that, now that my kids are older again, I can travel and totally enjoying it because it's my travel. It's not dictated by a corporate agenda. It's now it's my travel. So again, it's my, I've taken control 
over my own career, but also my travel. And I love it because I love traveling. <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. So thank you so much again, Claudia, for joining us. It was very enlightening to hear your viewpoints on all the business aspects that you've been talking about today. And I know you've shared a lot of great information that is really going to help people. So please, everybody, make sure you connect with Claudia on ClaudiaHarvey.com. It is exactly like it sounds. I want to thank Claudia, first of all, for being here with us. So thank you again. It's been my absolute pleasure, Randy. Thank you so much for the opportunity and talking to you and to your listeners. Thank you. And I want to thank each and every one of you out there for listening to this podcast. And please remember to subscribe and share. And we will see you on the next podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Empowerment Radio Show. Want more empowerment from Randy Goodman? Stay up to date and follow Randy on Twitter at Randy Connects. That's Randy with an I. Remember to use hashtag EWTS, which is short for Empowering Women to Succeed. Or visit TorontoWomensExpo.com.